Hello and welcome to the eighth installment, actually the eighth installment this time, not when I messed that up in a host fail last week of our pro player diary. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatel, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again for one more day before I head down to the place where today's guest is. We're talking, of course, about that pro player, Sean Borman. What's going on, Sean? How are things in Lexington? Man, it is a beautiful day in Lexington today, Pete. Awesome. Absolutely gorgeous. All week looks nice. Oh, and of course, I'm, I'm leaving on Thursday to <laughs> potentially worse weather, but still, it's beautiful for is you. That, is, is, there was a rumor going around that my arrival in town was causing your departure. Is that any, any truth to that? Uh, only about 5% of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How did you end up? We never followed up with your NCAA basketball shenanigans. How did you, how did you end up doing in, the, uh, in, in that tournament we had talked about? Man, you talk about a, a bad beat. Um, I had, you know, so you, you you bought teams, right? I had three of the four Final Four teams, both finalists and the champion, and didn't cash a penny. That's insane. What, yeah. what went wrong? I, well, I mean, just other people um, had the same and had me sort of blocked out. Um, the guy, that the kid that won it, I think it was a 17-year-old, um, Went seven thousand dollars. So good. he's good for him, but he uh, he just dominated, man. He had all four Final Four teams. He had it locked up by the Final Four. I think that's pretty impressive. On the end. Yeah, it really was. What's the old? What's the old? Oh, there's a great Harvey Pack line that that makes me think of with the young, the young kid winning big in an early gambling experience, and Harvey, I, Harvey himself, presumably very sarcastically saying to him, "Have a good life, kid." And the kid, that yeah. good, good life became his nickname. That, that you, you might consider that for the seventeen-year-old friend here. Well, I, I know I'd love to be a senior in that high school book of bets. This, you know, this <laughs> last end, last end of this school year, <laughs> beginning of next, because you know that kid's going to get some action. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's 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 a rollicking way to get things going. Um, so you surprised me at last we talked, you were taking time off gambling. You weren't going to get involved in Keeneland opening weekend. You stuck to your word with Hong Kong and didn't get involved there. But, uh, what, what caused you to play, uh, to play Keeneland over the weekend and how did it go? Well, as everybody's probably figured out by now, I'm a moron. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, you know, I've got a little touch of derby fever, I guess. And, uh, I've been trying to catch these figures up and, um, you know, I just, uh, decided to take a little peek at the PPs and found a few things I liked and stupidly bet. Um, <laughs> so I can tell from that, that it didn't go, uh, didn't go exactly, uh, the way, the way you were playing Were these, was this just like action or was this, was, was, were these more serious plays along the lines of what you've been making in Hong Kong? Uh, just action really. Um, nothing too serious. I thought. I played the bluegrass. Um, you know, I, I was, my, we had my wife's parents over for dinner. So I was in the kitchen, you know, making dinner, cooking, and had my computer there throwing bets together and watching that, watching that card. Um, so it was pretty half-assed, but I did sort of like the, uh, I think it was Cassie had that classic car wash horse in the, in the bluegrass. I thought his odds were too big. So I keyed him with the two there in first and second. It almost looked like to me he may have bled or something because he moved up on the turn with the winner. Yeah. And just totally, totally fell apart. So, uh, you know, I don't know. So after after watching that Keeneland card, I'm, I'm uh, ready to 
give it the slip again for a while because just you know, all these stewards' decisions are are they going to look? Are they not going to look? What's a it's just it's just such a mess, man. Well, with traveling this weekend, it's an easy uh, it'll it'll be an easy miss. It's not like I'll be tempting you to uh, you know with Bergu in the in the green room to 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 resume your uh, your 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 loose uh, local play there at Keeneland. So I assume you watched the you you, you had doesn't sound like there's much to learn from the specifics of the of the betting side of things, but uh, you said you did get some time to get caught up on all your figures on these uh, triple crown preps. Yeah, I've got them all caught up, and I've watched replays, and I'm. I actually think I've got some opinions. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, let me ask you this. I was super surprised by the way that our little derby draft went the other day, keeping in mind that this is just points. You don't get extra for mutuals or anything. And it's a, it's one horse to accrue points throughout the three triple crown races. Who would you have thought would have gone first? Or um, put another way, who would you have picked first? Who would I picked first? That's a not well. I haven't really thought through the, like the Preakness and the Belmont aspect of that particular thing, but I, you know, I would think Tappet Trice maybe would have gone first. Yeah, yeah, Tappet Trice did go ahead of of, uh, of Forte, which surprised me. And then a horse that I know you're going to have something to say about went second in the form of Verifying Forte. Forte fell. Forte fell to me in third. Actually, no, I lied. Tapatrice actually went after Forte. It was um, it was Angel of Empire who went first for Michelle. I just thought it was. In, it's a weird year where it's you. You can tell a lot of different stories. Though your answer shows right away that um, now that you've caught up with figures and everything, you're not you're not a Team Forte guy. It doesn't sound like. No, I'm not. I think. You know, he's a, he's a he's a really nice horse. I just don't think he's quite fast enough. Honestly, I've just got other horses rated faster and, and more efficient than him. And in a race like the Derby, do you give any consideration to his like body of work and the 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 the, the you know the depth of experience that he has, or that's all secondary to the to the figure? No, I, I certainly will consider it, um, but I just. I don't think the Florida Derby was that great a race. I don't really see the two to three progression with him that you do with some of these other horses. That was a he point. He sort of seems to be stuck in neutral to me. Yeah, that was a point that was made elsewhere in terms of whether or not he's trained up. What did you, what of your figures for him, uh, you know, I, I'd love to, as much as you would be willing to share what you came up with for, for, for these prep races. Yeah, sure. No, I gave the I gave the Florida Derby a ninety four. Okay. Um which, you know, is pretty slow for a Derby prep, really. Yeah, for the for, for a Florida Derby, it's definitely slow. Um and it it wasn't um you know, there's been a lot of talk about the uh the the pace and the type of trip that he had in there. What did you think of it from a trip point of view? Well, I don't think it was great. Um, you know, I'm not paying enough attention to to know if the rail was dead or, you know, if losing ground really hurt him all that much. To me, it was just probably just sort of neutral. Um, but just, you know, the way it came back on the clock and, and visually, it just seemed sort of like a, a very grindy, slowish kind of race. Um, and, 
you know, I'm looking at his pace line now. I mean, he, he just, he just hasn't progressed to me. Um, now, you know, it's Pletcher, it's champion two-year-old. He's run fast enough in the past to, to put him right in the mix. So I'm not going to say he can't win the Derby, but just from a gambling standpoint, I don't really want any part of him. You figure he, I mean, the way you're describing, you're describing him as a six to one shot. That's going to be, you know, four to one at the best. Does that sound exactly. about right? Yeah. And I, I would, I probably wouldn't even want him at six, honestly. Interesting. So I assume you're just looking at that as a slow race and you're not probably planning at this point on being focused on horses coming from the Florida Derby. Are there any exceptions to that? I mean, Mage is a horse we've talked about a lot who's, you know, attempted uh, some very difficult things in his career and it's very easy to pump a little blue sky um, in his direction. But I'm hearing you're saying that race isn't fast enough. I, I don't think there's enough there that would make him a contender for you unless the price was just silly. Yeah, I mean, if he's, you know, 30 to 1 for some reason, I, I would consider him. But he, he, again, he just hasn't done enough to me to be a legitimate derby horse. Right. Um, and I don't really buy into the fact that he had that much worse of a trip at Forte in the, in the Florida Derby. Um, I think I so, would say it was a movement to hot pace thing that you could give him extra credit for. It's not like the trip. It was like dynamics bad as opposed to inefficient you know breaking slow making the move into we, the fast pace did your number yeah but I, I i don't have the i have the fastest part of that race earlier than he moved so to me he got to sit you know last or next to last during the fast part and then he moved i okay. would almost say forte you know was a little closer to the fast pace um than, than mage was yeah the, this race is you know from a pace pace and trip sort of dynamic it's it's to me similar to the bluegrass and that you know i would think nine people out of ten would say tappet trice had the worst trip in the bluegrass and, and is better clearly better than verifying but i don't see it that way at all oh that's interesting well let's pivot there and start with the quality of the race overall what what did you what did you have that come back in i, I gave it a hundred um so good solid you know good good solid derby prep like both those horses are, are pretty live in the Derby itself. Um, you know, Tappet Trice, let me look up the actual pace of that race because I'm just looking at the individual horse right now. Hold, give me one second. Sure. Come I can't again. remember exactly where the fat, fat, yeah. So I, you know, I've got that race being the fastest around the far turn. Um, so Tappet Trice certainly did you know, move into the, move into the fastest part of the race, but I still, you know, verifying was verifying ran faster or as fast as Tappet Trice did all the way around the racetrack. Um, so it's hard for me to say that Tappet Trice really ran, he ran less efficiently than verifying did, but I can't say he ran better than verifying did. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very interesting question when it gets to, you know, I do think sometimes I'm apt to give bits of extra credit when I see that lack of efficiency because it's just such an easy way for a horse to improve just by distributing energy a little bit better. You know, it it's not, but it's, it is a kind of a different conversation than, than who ran better or worse, but it's just, it's a way that I can project more you know, like inherent improvement, if that makes sense. 
Sure. No, it makes perfect sense. But, I, you know, if you look at the, the pace line of both of those horses, they both ran inefficiently and they're both clearly improving. And when one is going to be 30% of the price of the other one, I, I'm not betting the one that's the shorter price. You know, that's just silly. Yeah, Nick Nick was pretty skeptical about verifying, like to, to a surprising degree to me. But the point that he got me on was the the, the I'm not sure if he said it in these words, but as he was talking, the, the, the point that popped into my head was of those two, which one seemed likelier to do better going longer. And I do think that fell, that fell to or farther that that to me does, does seem clearly to be Tapatrice. Do you see something different in terms of these two at a mile and a quarter? I would say in general, I don't see it any differently. I think Tapatrice, you know, probably is going to be better going longer in in most situations, but in this Derby in particular. You know, I put, and I shared this with you, I put together like a little Google sheet of the top, you know, the Derby points leaders and their figures in all their prep, not all their preps, but in their most recent prep. And there just isn't a ton of pace in this race. Um, You can say that again. So, you know, a horse like Verifying that can run fast enough all the way through the race especially if he's drawn like outside and can sit that, you know, that trip that Derby winners sit you know, mm-hmm. two or three wide second or third or fourth all the way around there with no, no kickback, just that sort of dream outside speed trip. You know, those horses can get the distance just as, just as well as a, as a, as a deep closer. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing we've seen with Tappa Trice is, you know, it's almost becoming a pattern now where he doesn't run efficiently. You know, his trip in, at Tampa was very similar to his trip in the bluegrass. So, you know, if if I think post positions with those two horses are really going to really going to mean something. Um, but, you know, I would rather have a horse that can run efficiently closer up in the pack than one that still needs to figure out the efficiency thing as a closer you know, quite frankly, Taffet Trice is, is a closer that has not yet run a hundred LP for me. So that's, you know, that's not a great sign. No, um, that's a trying to figure it out in a bulky field on Derby Day at, 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 at you know, what, second choice odds, third choice odds. I, that's not, that's not a gamble I want to make. I, you know, he could certainly win the race, but I, I don't want to key him or rely on him necessarily. No, I hear I I hear what you're saying, and I think you make a great point about the trip potentially being, you know, the trip trumping the 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 how far do they want to go question. It'll be really interesting when we get a pace projector on this on this race. From what you see in your numbers, and this is of course keeping in mind that we you don't have one for Derma Sotogake yet. I am working on getting you those part times, by the way. I just have been uh inefficient myself in getting that done. But who do you think makes the lead? Mm. Or who are the group um, of horses that might make the lead? I think certainly practical move has to be in that group. I think the Japanese, you know, Derma Sotagate has to be in that group, although he's not necessarily a speed horse. Um, I think verifying would be in that group. I 
don't necessarily think King's Barnes is in that group. He's just not that fast. Uh, you know, it's a very you know Skinner, given the given a given the right draw, could potentially be near the lead, not necessarily on the lead. Um, but I mean, I, there's just not much there's there's not much pace in this race. I mean, there, there's not you know there's not a true like speed ball that I see yet, and as a group, this field doesn't finish that well either. And those two things combined typically lead to sort of merry-go-round type finishes. That's interesting. Or, um, I'm starting to see you your know, verifying case here. It's just like all about the trip for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he draws the one, you know, you're probably not going to like that horse much. If he draws 12 to 16, he's going to be he's going to be really live, in my opinion. Um, but you know, I, I think I still think Angel of Empire is the most likely sort of key horse to me. More so than verifying. Well, depending. I mean, again, depending on draw and and odds, I think Angel of Empire is going to be sort of the the one that might get away on the odds board with, you know, between Forte and Tavitrice and, um, you know, some of those other closers. I think Angel of Empire, between those three, will certainly be the biggest price. Yes. And, and if he's sitting there at 10 or 12 to 1. Yeah, I think you'll get that. I think you might get that. Yeah, but because, I mean, depending on how he looks, etc., coming in, I feels like Derma Sotogake has a chance to be like a big steam horse, potentially. Um, so, so then I think by math, Angel of Empire almost has to be 10, 12. And if, as we suspect, all the really big long shots catch extra money, the market might not bubble at the top. It might bubble in the, you know, the third to six choices. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if he's 14 to one. How fast did you have the Angel of Empire race? I've got him running a 98 final. Um, okay. With a with a one hundred three late pace number. Okay, that's interesting. So that would be your best late pace number of the of the crop. I'm guessing from what we've talked about so far. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go so going into the Derby, that's going to be yeah. That's that's very that's very very interesting. How do you try to like when you're making a comparison between him and verifying in terms of like if I were to ask you to make like an early top pick what are the things that, that that sort of push you in angel of empire are you direction are you more geared towards the final time are you more geared towards the fact that maybe that lp suggests there's a little something up his sleeve that the distance will agree more um and also crucially what kind of trip do you think angel of empire is going to get you know that without seeing where he's where he's drawn that's going to be hard to hard to see i mean he he can't. I don't be a think he. Oh, can he? From his numbers, what's that? he can't be a pace horse because of his num- on his numbers. No, I don't think he can be a pace horse. But I think he could be anywhere from, you know, sort of behind the pace to dead last if he draws like the the rail. Um, he's just the kind of horse that you know if he's drawn like one or twenty. I don't. You know, we've just seen year after year those guys, they're not aggressive enough out of the gate if, if they're on a closer or those posts, and they just sort of let the field get away from them and leave themselves with just a little bit too much to do. Um, 
so you know, I'd like to see him drawn in the middle of the uh, middle of the pack too. And and if he is, if he can sit, you know, eighth, ninth, or tenth early on, and there's any kind of pace at all, I would expect him to to make a good solid run and and have a have a decent chance. Interesting. He currently sits at ten to uh, verifying sixteen. A couple of interesting ideas in the middle. How serious of a contender is Practical Move to you? I think he's a very serious contender. Yeah, based on everything you're saying, the fact that he can run a triple-digit early pace figure and not slow down too much. What did you you had that race coming in like high nineties? Ninety-nine. Yeah. yeah, he ran he ran above ninety-five at every point of call. So, you know, he's another one. If he draws outside and can get that, you know, first or second over speed trip, uh, I see no reason why he can't be there late. Yeah, he's not attracted. Um, he's not attracted all that much attention market wise. Like given some of his assets, fourteen to one. I guess my fear about him is I just I don't know. The, the watching that race over, it it again it did sort of like what you were saying about um, the bluegrass. It just didn't. It didn't look. It didn't look like a great, it didn't look like great form. I mean, the number is what the number is, but it didn't, it's, I'm not overly won over. And I mean, we have some, you know, collateral form evidence that Derma Sotogaki's three lengths faster, you know, on collateral form than uh, Mandarin Hero is. And, you know, Mandarin Hero nearly wins that race. It just, and the three on the wire thing always gives me pause. I don't know. I'm just a little bit skeptical of that, of that form, though he certainly looks taking a quick look through your spreadsheet here, practical move does look like the, the clear best of speed. Do you have, do you share any of my concerns about the qual potential quality of the Santa Anita Derby? Not really. Um, just, just because, you know, going into that race, you know, practical move and Skinner were both, you know, improving three-year-olds um, for good trainers and the Japanese horse, uh, you know, I, I think we've just sort of seen by now those horses are pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm inclined to just say, based take you know taking off the clock that 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 was as good a you know that's as good a prep as any of them so far. And, and why wouldn't you know it might not have looked that great, but um, why wouldn't it? Why should we take it that face value? feels it feels like a bit of a head scratching uh it feels like a bit of a head scratching here to me at this point um let's talk about the wood how did you have that race overall and is there a contender in there that you're that you're interested in i've got it like a mid 90 and no i don't think there's any i think it's a fairly bad race and i don't necessarily want to bet any of those horses the the way the it it, it seemed to flow um, it didn't seem like there were any hard luck cases or reasons why you could like just intuitively increase the figure that I, that I saw watching it. It, it was another one that I was, you know, I just wasn't sure. I mean, the, the race, the race that I felt the, the, the race at the weekend, it felt like was the one you wanted to focus on for me was probably the, was, was, was probably the bluegrass more than the, more than the other two. It seems like you have the bluegrass and Santa Anita Derby pretty equally within, within the wood a bit behind. Yes. Yeah, certainly. A lot of talk about um, Kings Barnes. Now, 
Kings Barnes, the question I asked you last week, and we needed to pull the numbers to to get this, and we've answered this off air, but for the listeners, you know, I, I had put the line on the podcast: "Is Kings Barnes the next Always Dreaming?" I mean, you'd been very good with both Always Dreaming and Maximum Security in saying, yeah, these horses got easy trips, but they really finished in a way that shows that there was talent there beyond the easy trip. When you look back at the Louisiana Derby and Kings Barnes pace line, what do you see? Do you see another horse that could be in that category? No, I see a complete throwout. Interesting. What What are the numbers? I want, I want, uh, he ran a mid-80 for me, like an 86, but he only ran in the high 50s, you know, the whole pace. and then. We finished in a 98, but I mean, you've got to finish in a hundred plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, any Um, horse to Nick's point on the other show, any horse you let go that slow is going to, they're going to be able to finish somewhat with that, with that easy trip. And certainly, you know, for example, I mean, you've got him running the same late pace figure as Forte, but Forte ran in the mid eighties to around the track and he ran in the high fifties. Yeah. And that's a, it's a large difference. I mean, it's four or five links difference. So he, Kings Barn is just not that good. That's a horse who's likely to get buried. It, it feels like looking at, exactly. your, looking at your numbers. Yeah. Um, what about looking back at the Rebel, a horse that I ended up with in the, in the Derby draft, who I'm very curious to get your perspective on, is, uh, is Confidence Game. How do, how do you have him looking? You know, not bad, all things considered. I need to go back and... and sort of look at that you know watch that race again and good um, internal fractions from him good right? internal didn't didn't finish at all though and that's the that is probably going to be the problem with him let me pull up his lifetime pps yeah it feels like he truly didn't run that fast early or late but did a lot of running in the middle and, and that usually, was a flop race too yeah and that yeah and that yeah i mean he's He's just sort of a classic throw out derby horse. I mean, he might make a run around the turn and then completely flatten out and run 14th because he doesn't finish. I mean, his best LP is an 84. Right. And that's, that's not, not going to yeah, not gonna get it done. Yeah. The, the horse, the, the horse who ran fast internally, it feels, it feels like um, looking at your arrays here, the eye keeps getting drawn back to verifying, honestly. Well, yeah, and especially if you you know put that up with with projected odds, I think it would certainly draw you to him. Yeah, just the way I you know everything I've seen on on early you know overseas odds, he would be the clear value. Yeah, that's in, that that's very interesting. I have made one bet so far, uh, twenty two to one on Dermasoni Dogatake. I don't mind that at all. His best price now is twelve. But yeah, it's tempting to see. I mean, 16, I don't know, the 10 on Angel of Empire, I think you could get better on the day. I can't decide with verifying. I, I think you might be able to get better on the day than the 16, right? I mean, this is proprietary info we're looking at. I don't know how the market's going to react. And I just have this feeling that horses in this exact odds range are the ones that might get blown out to to really, really good prices on the tote. What, what does your gut tell you about that? Um, you know, I think it's, I think there's going to be a few sort of tote dynamics I play. I think, I think last year's Derby does sort of compress the, the field. I think the favorites are going to be 
sort of slightly under bet and the long shots are going to be over bet. Um, I think we've seen that in years past after these big sort of shocking derby upsets. And I think the Japanese narrative, you know, I think that especially if Derma Sotagate is working well week of, I, I think that sort of presses his price down more than it would have in years past. Um, so, you know, I think what you said earlier about sort of the middle the middle of this market might be the place to land for, for overlays because you're, you're almost assuredly going to get a pretty good horse at a pretty good price. Yeah. If that, you know, if that stuff plays out, I mean, you know, who knows until, until day of how they're going to bet it. But those prices I'm reading you now, do, they don't have you jumping, do they? The ten, the the ten on Angel and the sixteen on Verify. No, because I think you, I think you get every bit of that Derby Day. Yeah, I mean, of course, a narrative could attach to one of them, and then it goes out the window. But it's uh, it, I, for me, it's a chance that I'm that I'm willing to uh, that I'm willing to take. Yeah. Any other thoughts on these potential Derby runners for now? Obviously, we have loads of time to talk more about this um, when we have interesting things like a post-position draw and an actual composition of a field. But uh, if you had another point you wanted to to dive into now, we could do that. Or I wanted to ask you about some of these Oaks contenders as well. Um, no, I don't. I, I think. I think that's all I've got on the Derby right now. Okay. I'm just glancing through here. I don't see another horse that that I really think we should talk about. I, I guess Mandarin Hero. I, th- I think that horse could be a really interesting day of, too, if, if he gets in the race. Did I share that uh, info with you about the, the, the collateral form horse that uh, Klaus had, had sent me? I mean, it's it's always a little bit tricky to evaluate because trips and other things come into play, but this horse called hero call that was fourth behind Derma um, that beat Mandarin hero in February at a mile and eighth in a, in a listed stake, suggesting that there's like three to six links between those two with Derma being the more uh, accomplished one. How, how much, if at all, does that affect your thinking about those two runners? Well, you know, I'm really curious to to do a real figure for the UAE Derby. But, you know, looking at things, Mandan Hero just ran a 99 for me. Okay. And if Derma Sotagate is three to six links better than that, then he's the Derby winner. Right. And it shouldn't be a close race. Right. You know, if he's going to run a – if he's going to run a 105 on Derby Day, then – None of these horses have done anything close to that yet. And he's, you know, proven he can finish. He's proven he can win on the lead. I mean, he's the winner. Or he's the fastest. You know, I wouldn't say necessarily the winner, but that he would be the fastest horse if if, if that's an accurate sort of comparison. Well, of course. Now, the problem is that race, the Derma, uh, the Derma race from Dubai, which we, you know, Dove – one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today estimated at 103 and, and I'll get you those numbers and we'll see what you come up with. That's something we'll talk about in a future show. There's no way it wasn't somewhat aided by the way the track was playing then. So does that, you know, how does that factor in? I mean, you know, how much are you willing to take that? Whatever that number is, how literally do you figure you're going to take it? 
I'll take it as what it is. I, I don't care how that track was playing or, you know, interesting. not having full figures and pace lines for all those horses. And nobody has that. I mean, there, there's no, probably nobody that is, is handicapping the Derby is going to have, you know, Dubai full pace lines in figure form to know how the internal dynamics of any of those paces were supposed to go. You know, if the horses that were stuck wide should have finished against a bias or not, there's just no real accurate way to, to determine if that was a real bias or how severe it was, if it was a bias. So I don't, I just don't want to factor that in. You know, if you've got a horse that looked visually impressive, that ran faster than the Dubai World Cup went and ran a triple digit figure. I have no interest in saying, well, he should have really only were on a 95 because the track was, you know, right. inside speed and this and that, and it gets cold throughout the card. And, you know, I don't give a shit. I just, I want to bet the fastest horses at the best prices. So I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about the bias that day. Do you imagine? The, biases can be, biases that are only, you know, visual biases. Those can be very, very deceiving. If you don't know what horses should be improving, what horses are improving, the internal pace dynamics of those races, uh, th- that's just not a game you need to be you need to be playing, in my opinion. I mean, I you know the the day at Santa Anita when it was Breeders' Cup Prep Day, what two years ago, when everything looked like you know, inside speed was so strong and you had to bet against all those horses. Well, about four of them came back <laughs> right back and won the, in, on Breeders' Cup Day, you know, because they were an improving horse that, that had good figures. So I, that's just, I, I, I don't have any interest in, in playing that game. I assume if your number for Dermasodagake comes back similar to what we've been talking about, that this would be the the third horse you'd be looking to have somewhere in your in your reckoning right now. Well, yeah, I mean, if he's run, you know, if he's run a triple digit figure or a mid triple digit figure and an acceptable late pace number, then I hell up, I just bet on him. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll get some more info on that, and I'll be curious to see how you compare him and and. You know, he might be one, he might be one to get down on sooner rather than later. Obviously, the 22 is long gone, but uh, the way you're talking about it, the 12 doesn't sound crazy. It sounds like a horse that could be your eight to one third choice maybe in the betting. I don't know if that's enough to interest people who have the ability to bet on these things. But again, we'll have we'll have so much more info and I really look forward especially to the uh, to the pro player show when when we get there i may i don't know he doesn't know this yet but i may i'm doing a live event the night that we usually do that it may be marshall graham hosting this year um we'll see we'll see what we'll see what happens with that you know it's one of my favorite shows to do so maybe i'll i'll find a way to be in two places at once really been trying to solve that miracle for a while now but let's talk about the oaks briefly do you you haven't done the same amount of work on the oaks but you've looked at some of these key preps uh yes i have and i've got i've got figures i don't have a a fancy little spreadsheet done yet, but I'll I'll get one put together at some point. But I do have Oaks. I do have Oaks thoughts. 
I wanted to talk to you about wet paint. This is the other bet that I've made and another, I feel bad when this happens, but it's just the way of the world. The price is gone that I took, which was 13 to two on wet paint. Um, but I mean, that just looks like the fast race of all the preps. I mean, it's just, I have nothing clever here. This is bet the fastest horse at a good price. Currently the sharpest book into nine to two, five to one widely available elsewhere. What do you think about that number on wet paint compared to the others running in the Kentucky Oaks at this point? Uh, Yeah, I love wet paint. Um, She's who I want to bet. And I, I see almost nothing wrong with her. She's she's really getting better. She really finishes her races. There's a ton of you know, sort of bad speed in that race, I think. So I think it sets up well for her. Um, I sort of expect her to win and win pretty impressively. Wow. A strong, strong praise for uh, for wet paint. And it's a really interesting one. And I'll, g- I'll give you another chance. I didn't even realize how much I was setting you up for an anti-narrative um chat when i when i brought up bias i i think this one's really going to get you going um what about there 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 are uh are, are some talk with, with even within within the barn that this one might not be uh the, the top of the pecking order is there you give any consideration to that well, who who's better what's the what's his better three-year-old filly there was some whispers that uh there was some whispers that that punch bowl might be the best of the lot and I do think yeah, you well, can make I, some excuses for the race the other day. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I I hope Punchbowl just works up a fucking storm <laughs> leading into the Oaks and and gets bet down to two to one. And wet paint set six to one. I, I, I hope I hope Brad Cox bets every penny he's won on all these big races he's won over the last three years on Punchbowl on Oaks Day. That's that would suit me just fine. This was not from punch the trainer bowl. horse's mouth, punch, by the way. This is not. This is punch not. Bowl. I'm not relaying. Punch a bowl cannot game. warm that horse up. <laughs> so, oh, that's pretty funny. You what? You don't have punch bowl. Well, let's talk about punch bowl heading into the other day. You you don't have them in the same uh, in the same zip code in terms of speed figures. No, no. Punch bowl for me runs, you know, low nineties with just bad late pace numbers mm-hmm. and wet paint runs high nineties with exceptional late pace numbers. Gotcha. What did you think about, uh, what did you think about the ride in the Ashland? I, I, I was surprised to not, uh, to not see her handled a little bit more aggressively. Uh, well, I guess I need to go back and rewatch the race. I didn't, you know, watching it live, I didn't have a huge problem with it. Um, I, 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 you know, as a, as a prep, I don't, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they wanted to see if she could pass horses, mm-hmm. um, you know, effectively going long. So I, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a big, uh, big negative for her. I think, I just don't think she's that good, quite frankly. Um, you know, she, she sort of going into the Ashland, she had run late pace figures of like a, maiden Philly and sort of continue that. I mean, she got a little better. I can't say she's not getting slightly better, but I mean, she finished her, her best finish was an 86 for me in the slop at Oaklawn. Then in the allowance race, she finished in a 79 
but ran faster early. And in the Ashland, she finished in an 83 and ran basically the same early. So she got, you know, half a length better, maybe. But I mean, in 83 in the Kentucky Oaks is, you know, looms up on the turn, spits the bit, spits the bit and, you know, may, may finish mid pack or worse. That's just not, that's just not good enough. The market has some love for Botanical, um, who has a very unusual PP cut for my eye in that she's got this breeding that suggests that, you know, dirt would be a wonderful thing. Medallia Doro out of the blame dam, but has, uh, has never run on this stuff. And, you know, started the career Kentucky Downs and then has been applying her trade this year exclusively at Turfway Park. She's got some solid numbers. I'm curious if you have figures for her, even if you've done the Turfway numbers and just like how you would attempt to evaluate her making her first start on the on the dirt. She um, isn't that fast for me, but she is improving. And sometimes, you know, she's running mid mid eighty final, say an eighty six final with a comparable late pace number. So, you know, on the on the face of things, that should not be good enough for the Kentucky Oaks. But, you know, as you talked about her breeding, I mean, there's a there's a chance she could she could get better on dirt. Yeah, um, it could be that she started off on turf more because of the distances, right? I mean, it's a mile at Kentucky Downs, a mile and a sixteenth at at uh, at Keeneland, and then with you know, as we've talked about many times on the show, the way that Kentucky's you know elevated these purses, looking for a year round racing calendar, that it just made sense for her to stay with the string in in Kentucky, and then you know, then you have to ask yourself like. You know, how's the form of those races looking out? I haven't dug into it particularly, but she's acted well off of Lasix. She's won with a variety of running styles and she's got that pedigree. I see the enthusiasm. I feel like the current price at the sharpest book is eight to one. I don't really have interest in that with wet paint sitting there um, widely available at fives, but she definitely is an interesting horse to at least talk about as a contender from a sporting point of view. Yeah, she's interesting. Uh, you know, it's, she just doesn't appear to be that fast yet. Um, the, the only one who's fast enough, though, by any stretch, is wet paint. Or am I missing something? Well, no, I think that's I think that's a, a very valid point. That this is just not a great crop of of three year old fillies. So, you know, a horse like Botanical, she could certainly be in the mix on on Oaks Day. Um, if she gets any better at all on dirt, she's definitely improving. She's in the right hand. So I, she's not a horse I'm, I'm really wanting to bet on at eight to one, but you know, I would use her on, on certain tickets. Do you see any other theoretical improvers in this, uh, in this division or, or horses you were interested to talk about? Well, I'm, I'm pretty interested in taxed. Um, just as a as a horse that is, is getting better, and I don't you know it runs pretty fast and pretty efficient. If I'm right about the Arkansas race being the best prep, I think I think taxed at price is yeah. clearly you know clearly the value. 
that feels like a double key situation waiting to happen, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, not to give everything away, but it's certainly <laughs> going to be a straight. Ex- it's, it's, there's going to be a large exacta played. <laughs> if the fan ends up being the key, if that ends up being the key race, taxed available now at thirty-three to one. I assume she's definitely in the field with that second in the fantasy. I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. I'll take a see if I can verify that. That might be a that might be a a, a sticking point. But I mean, is that is that thirty three to one interesting to you? Or she was thirty three to one last time. Is she going to be? No, yeah, she's sixteenth in the points. Is she going to be that price on the day? I would think she's a pretty big price on the day. I don't. I don't know if she's going to be that big. Um, but I mean, just looking at the rest of this field, uh, anything above twenty is great value to me. Pretty interesting. I want to take a look at the commercial figures and see where she ranks in that. Because she could, I don't want to get caught unaware and she ends up being some wise guy. You know, if Wet Paint ends up going off at five to two and she's two lengths behind her and then is eight or 10 to one, you're going to feel a little annoyed for not having, you know, made a move at the 33. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. That would be. Got to look at these PP cuts, though. You know, that's that's always a good trick in that situation is just handicap the race in 12 seconds and see what stands out. And if that last number stands out, um, you might not want to wait so much. So that race was April 1st, the fantasy, right? Yes. Um, yes. Let's take a look at what that what that commercial figure was at some point. At some point, it'd be nice to have all these numbers in a nifty uh, in a nifty spreadsheet, wouldn't it? Um like we did for the uh, like we did for the Breeders' Cup, uh, it's a possibility we could get. There's a possibility we could get that organized. All right. Yeah. So the buyer figures, yeah. I mean, see, the buyer's not that fast though. I mean, it's an 85, right? So that's that doesn't feel like it's gonna. So you've got what? Did, wet paint came back in 89, and you said you had it high 90s. I've got around 97. Okay. So that's the big difference there. Is you've just and this is what I love is. When you, I mean, it, isn't this part of the reason to do your own figures? You get that subjective bit of info suggesting that this race is significantly better than what the market says. And then, you know, you know, these commercial figures, they're all, you know, they, they, they're great, but they're going to err on the side of a more like conservative projection. Whereas when you're making your own figures, you're erring on the side of trying to find what the really fast and slow races are. It's just logical to me that that commercial figures it's their job to regress more to the mean it's your job more to find the outliers is that a, is that a fair assessment of the two assignments yeah i think it is so it's not i'm not like here to knock any of the commercial figures it's just it's kind of a it's kind of a different deal and did you find this was a tricky figure to make do you remember for the april 1st in arkansas uh, no i didn't think it was tricky at all i thought it was straightforward. pretty straightforward so well, we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, you got a few a few interesting a uh, few interesting ideas. Angel of Empire, just for a point of comparison, on the buyer came back a ninety four, and you had that final. You said what a ninety eight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, also you know if if you know if if both of those things are right, it accounts for why the both of those horses are going to be are going to be value for you. So what are you looking at going forward? How much more, like, what will your Oak and Derby preparations be like? Do you figure to bet any more at Keeneland? Or are you just going to wait till, till Derby weekend? Will you come back for Hong Kong before that? What's your current, what's your current plan? I will probably, I'm planning on um, 
coming back for Hong Kong a week from tomorrow, enjoying my okay. little weekend away with the girls, and then getting back at it Wednesday. Nice. And then I, you know, I knowing myself, I will probably bet some Keelan, but it's gonna it'll just be sort of spot play. Um, I won't focus on it at all. But I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll make some stupid bet that I regret immediately. <laughs> and then I, you know, I'll, I'll certainly play something on Derby Day. I, you know, I, as of right now, I'll, I'll definitely play the Oaks. Um, I probably won't get super involved the rest of Oaks Day, and then the Derby. I'm sure I'll make some bet, but I, you know, I know from last year that I spent way too much time and mental energy focusing on Derby Day itself and not enough on Shaw 10 that night. So I need to, you know, I'll have to be up that night to, to work. So Derby is just going to be sort of a, more of a fun spot play day for me this year. I'm not going to put a lot of, a lot of effort into it. Gotcha. Well, you might have, I mean, the big race itself, it feels to me like you've got some angles in that it would be, you know, definitely something that you have to you have to at least dabble in given the given the size of the of the potential opportunity it's it's always one of those tough ones where you know it's it's so chaotic that you have to factor that in as well but when you're looking at horses in the price ranges you're talking about um it feels like you'd be cutting off your nose to spite your face to not get involved to to some level right well yeah exactly i mean i you know i've got a the 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 U.S. especially gives, in my opinion, so few good bets nowadays that when there's liquidity in the pools and you're going to get a price, I've got to make the bet. I just don't need to sit there and grind on those two days like I have in years past. For oh, that makes sense. Two weeks leading into it, I just, you know, as we just talked about, I basically have my opinion sort of sorted out. So just yeah, wait just- for the markets to open and see what happens draw and markets can change can change that obviously but yeah it feels to me like that exacta in the oaks and the oaks derby double are bets that should be uh are bets that should be circled for you from this far out did we do this is embarrassing total host fail but i'll just i'll just throw it out there did we do the ability figure question last week did we talk about that i don't think so in my head we had a question a pretty good question from from a listener that we needed to talk about. And I was going to mention that pre-show and I totally forgot. No, that's okay. We, there was one, there was a CAW question. There was a question about ability figures and how they're calculated that, why don't we start with that? And was it this, I'll, I'll look for the CAW question if that was the one, or was there another one? I, the one you sent me had, had a, a lot in it. Okay. But I thought that, but I thought it was definitely worth talking about. I'm trying to find it in my email right now. Sure, yeah, just look for. You know, I don't send you Maybe that much least. email. If you search for that, you should be able to. Uh, you should be able to sort it out. And then, yeah, we can we can quickly do the ability figure thing and do that, and we'll be right. Uh, we'll be right on schedule. It's amazing with zero planning how these shows always end up being right around an hour. <laughs> Unless I go 20 minutes over, as I sometimes want to do. I got super made fun of on the pro player show for Breeders' Cup for that. I was like, we've got. Somebody texted me. It was like, you just said we have 10 more minutes left. And I see there's 40 more minutes left in the, in the file. <laughs> that happens when I, when, uh, 
Paul and Sean get rolling. I'm not going to stop that conversation. I'm like, well, who, who am I? And we've also had with that show where we stop it after doing 90 minutes or two hours and then do another 90 minutes, just BSing. And I'm like, you know, that right. was good as the stuff on the show. Yeah. I mean, in, in reality, we could easily do three hours. <laughs> All right. Have you found this thing? I did. Um, so tell me what it's called so I can, I'll, I'll sum it up so you can think about your answer. Episode seven pro player is what you forwarded it. Okay, as. let me see what let me see what I find about that. Um, episode seven, that should get it. Um, oh, of course not. That'd be way too convenient. Let's talk while I get my organized about this. Can you give a little overview of ability figures? I want to hear how you incorporate trips and pace lines and LP into them and give a basic definition of them too. Cause uh, some folks um, have asked me about that too. Like what is an ability figure? So the ability figure is, is something Mike taught me a long time ago. And it's basically you take the, the, the actual figure, you know, say 90, the horse ran a 90 speed figure. And then you incorporate, you know, whatever you think is important um, in your mind, you know, we we would incorporate, you know, positive or negative jockey changes sometimes. Um, weight sometimes, you, you know, Mike would incorporate weight, especially with Phillies. You know, certainly bias, certainly trip. And there wasn't really a, you know, dedicated formula to it. It was just sort of a feel thing where you would, you would either bump up or down the actual speed figure based on some of those factors. So, you know, if the horse ran a 90 figure, um, you know, maybe he's, he's moving from a, to sort of a middle of the road jockey to, to IRAD, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe that's worth a point. Um, if he, if he, you know, is moving to IRAD and was against the track last time, say maybe, you know, maybe you go from a 90 to a 92 or a 93, depending on how, how against you thought the horse was. Um, or, you know, if he ran a 90, but, but did it, got everything his own way, um, dream trip on a good rail, you know, maybe you, you say that horse is more like an 86. You just try to incorporate, you know, all the handicapping factors that are important to you into a figure adjustment and yeah. it's you know it's sort of the 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 sort of the backbone of of you know my handicapping is you know i still make those ability adjustments and that's sort of when you start to learn what factors are meaningful and what factors are no longer meaningful um so i've i've come around to you know i don't make many ability adjustments anymore um off of bias as we've talked about a lot i just don't you know i sort of think that's sort of priced in now in, in most instances so i just I, I don't i don't factor that in I, if a horse gets just a just a horrendous trip um or a trip that i think is is subtly bad for that individual horse then I will still adjust my figure up or down based on, on trip. I almost, 
I almost pay no attention to jockey anymore. Um, post stuff like that, I just I, I don't find it as as meaningful. So I, I nowadays I'm sort of not doing as many adjustments as I used to, and and almost find that I get get myself in trouble when I make too many adjustments. But that's the general idea: is just sort of factoring in everything into the figure it feels like now, some commercial array. some commercial well yeah, i was gonna say some commercial figs sort of do that for you like yes like time form figs will will make the pace adjustment for you although i think they're incorrect a lot of the time um the 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 sheets or whatever you know factor ground loss in a lot yep. um i would rather just have a raw speed figure that i make my adjustments to than than a sort of pre-formulated figure adjusted. And how do you use your pace array? You know, are you giving extra credit for the horse that was on top of that fast pace? Are you giving extra credit for that horse that was, you know, in contention, but, you know, Angel of Empire being a good example, you know, how much does that LP 103 make you more think of that 98 final? I use, I try to use the, the pace array as a as a tool to sort of verify if I think the final is legitimate or not. Interesting. So, you know, with Angel of Empire in particular, you know, I think the fact that he ran a good triple digit, you know, graded stakes quality late pace figure while still running fast enough in the middle of that race tells me there's a ton of quality there there's a ton of potential for improvement there's you know there's no real reason to doubt that figure in my mind mm -hmm. now you know with punch bowl you know punch bowl's final figures are fine but she's got a little jackie's warrior in her and a little uncle chuck to where like yeah she's running fine and fast overall but she doesn't run fast enough early in her races to run nearly as poor as she does late. Mm -hmm. So she just smells like a horse that's going to be close to a pace that's going to be relatively solid. And she either has to improve quite a bit to finish that race off or she's going to stop. And I'm going to bet she's going to stop. I think those are good. Those are good examples. Um, there are some really good questions here, starting with a horse we didn't talk about at all who has some very fast uh, figures, depending on which sources you're looking at. Two fills coming out of the Jeff Ruby stakes. Looking at your array, is this horse a serious contender? Let me pull him up. because um, No, I don't think so. Because he's a, he's a great example of what we just talked about. You know, he ran really fast overall. He ran fast in the middle of that race, but he didn't finish that race off that fast. Like His late pace figure, you know, even... Visually, it looked like he was just pouring it on and drawing away and could yeah. be some kind of freak, but he just ran a mid to high 80 late pace figure. So he, to me, is an example of a horse with a fast overall figure to where his pace line doesn't really verify that. So that would be, you know, he ran a 99 final for me. I would give him more an ability time of like a 92. Okay. Pretty big difference. And really downgrade him. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I have no real interest in betting him. Any clues in him from the previous? Does that does, is that a pattern going back to the races on dirt? Yes, he's he's yet to run a really good light pace figure, oh. and that's the kind now, of he is now, he he is getting better. Like he would be a horse that I would say is improving a little bit, and improving horses can improve a hell of a lot more than people realize they can improve. But in the Derby and a 20 horse field where there's going to be seven other improving horses, you know, that's where you have to start splitting hairs and saying, you know, his late pace figures on my stuff just aren't good enough to improve enough to get there. There's other good stuff here in this email. And I think we're going to save it for our next conversation because I think it's too much. I don't want to rush through. It's some follow-up on um, some of the CAW stuff. We're going to have plenty more coverage on this topic. Uh, we've got Gary Fenton going to come on from the TOC to explain um, from his perspective some of the you know what he's seeing out there. And I also wanted to get Marshall Graham on to to chat about the issue from a from a pragmatic. Uh, completely pragmatic horse player standpoint, trying to understand how these groups operate and how we might uh, compete against them slash navigate around them a little bit more. So those will be both things coming up in the next couple of weeks. And we'll do this. We'll do these questions next week, Sean. I, I think it just, it makes more sense as we hit the hour mark here and I, I don't want to rush through, but hopefully we'll get a chance to hang tomorrow. Let me know. Um, you know, let me know if you have any availability. We hope you have a fantastic weekend with the girls and we'll, uh, we'll do something like this again next week. How, how's that sound? Sounds perfect. All right. Great stuff. Well, thanks Sean Borman one more time. We'll thank all of you, the listeners for making these shows so much fun to do. Hit us up with questions. You can get me through the contact page at in the money podcast.com. That goes right to my email. If you've got any questions for Sean, uh, any topics you want us to cover, uh, we'd appreciate hearing from you. It's all, it's always a good thing. This show has been a production. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager being Drew Cotney, our chief creative officer, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>